Welcome to South Shore Piano, the official podcast of the South Shore Piano School. I'm your host, Jonathan Roberts, and on this podcast, we talk with students, parents, teachers, and other leaders to find out exactly how music education is changing lives every day. My guest today is a local celebrity in the piano pedagogy community, Allison Barr in Hanover. Allison has been an independent piano teacher for almost 46 years. She thrives on the variety, autonomy, and unpredictability that being self-employed and deeply connected to the piano and her students brings. She's also, in addition to being a uh, an independent piano teacher, a really, really integral member of the Music Teachers National Association, serving both on the national and regional levels, and especially on our own board right here on the state level here in Massachusetts. Just a wonderful person, full of vitality, energy, and passion for teaching, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Allison, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I'm thrilled to be here, Jonathan. What a, what a pleasure. I love your podcasts. Oh, thank you so much. So I'm, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while to, to hear the story of the local legendary piano teacher, Allison Barr. Uh, so Allison, I'd love to go all the way back to the beginning, if you're up for it. Just Alice, the young Allison's beginnings in music and those early fond memories. Um, so yeah, just how did, how did you get started with this piano business? So um, I remember being around five years old. I do remember very early on asking my parents for a piano. We didn't have a piano. Neither of my parents were musicians or had even gone to college. And um, they loved music. And I just must have heard the sound somewhere. And that I don't remember where, but begged for a piano. So we got one of those old, big, huge, old clunker uprights that someone gave us. And it was in the basement. So, you know, a kid had to be pretty motivated to go down there into the basement to play the piano. It wasn't, we, you know, in those days, most people didn't have finished basements. And oh, yeah. uh, I just, I just loved this. I think it was the sound. That's what I remember. And they found me a local piano teacher and it went from there. Okay, excellent. Do you, now, how do you, do you remember what it was like going from just sort of curious and tinkering to actually starting lessons weekly? So the weekly lessons were very positive. I remember getting a lot of um, good feedback and a lot of stars and stickers on my pages. The teacher was very young. She was actually in college at BU for music and she was down the street, literally the neighborhood teacher down the street. And she was lovely. But um, about two years later, my father heard from somebody at our church that I should go somewhere more, let's say elevated perhaps, because clearly mm. I liked to study and I loved practicing, I guess. I mean, later on, I didn't love it as much, but I went to Vienna <laughs> willingly. And so he took me to um, Boston, to New England Conservatory, the prep program, and I auditioned there. And I, I do remember being there with people listening to me. Um, when I went in and my father didn't know really from Adam what that was going to involve. And he basically committed to the next 10 years of every Saturday, all day long. That's um, amazing. There with me. Yeah. Now, do you remember what that transition was like from the local piano teacher to it sounds like somebody said, oh, this this girl's serious. Let's <laughs> let's send her to the next level up what what that was like or was it or to you was it just kind of continuing the same the same track 
think I just remember the sense of place more than any particular teacher because the teachers were kind of, they were all very, very gifted and lovely and fine, but they were kind of a revolving door at that age. It was never the same teacher for any long period of time until I got into high school. But I remember the place and I remember every recital, I would have a little dress and I was kind of chubby, but I would have a little like taffeta dress and be in front and always have my picture taken in front of Beethoven in the lobby there, bronze Beethoven, which was, I do remember that, not so much the teachers though. I, what I, what I remember is being in the chorus. Everyone, it was obligatory, but I liked to sing mm -hmm. anyway. So I remember being in the chorus and going every week to this chorus. And I remember loving that. And I also remember my teacher of theory for a couple of years in a row was a friend and gentleman who's a dear colleague of mine now, Ramon Rivera. He was a graduate student there at that time. And uh -huh. he had the theory classes. And I do remember his theory classes because he always made it so much fun. That's awesome. So do you have a collection of young Allison pictures by the Beethoven statue? <laughs> I don't I don't really have many archival photos a couple not every single one i wasn't my family wasn't the scrapbook type or the photo album type i can relate yes <laughs> so i do have a couple but and i do remember that definitely that feeling of posing and feeling really so so proud that people were looking at me and paying attention and they liked my music now how do you feel like that impacted now obviously you went into this as a career but how do you feel like that sort of impacted your childhood, having not only this music thing, but that sort of dedicated Saturday music time? Um, I remember one of your blogs, Jonathan, and it was about this topic. And it was, I could identify with it so well. I mean, I could do well in school. That wasn't an issue. But, you know, I wasn't a sports kid. Mm -hmm. I was sort of on this different, in this different place, I think in my mind than most of the kids. I just, I guess, I mean, now I guess you would say I didn't fit in, so to speak, at that point in time. I mean, this was um, in the late 50s, early 60s that I was growing up and I was in a suburb of Boston and it was very conformist. You know, people sure. did a certain thing. And so music and going to the conservatory every week really was my, I would say my lifeline, definitely as a kid, no doubt about it. Um, define me as a person. That's so powerful. And I think a lot of people can relate to that music being their thing and there's their lifeline and their support when sports and, uh, you know, being, being part of the in crowd is, <laughs> isn't, isn't our things, which is not most of our things. I don't even know if there is an in crowd anymore. Uh, whatever that is. It would be completely, I think it would be very different now. Yeah, I, I agree. Just everybody had, you know, the same kind of house, the same kind of car, the same kind of yard. Like it, people were assimilating, they were aspiring to all be the same and have their kids be the same. Reminds me of that uh, 
I think it's considered a horror movie, The Stepford Wives. Oh, yes. Where like all of the houses are exactly the same and everybody's <laughs> mowing their lawn in the perfectly uh, perfect dress. <laughs> right. Sort of like that. Yeah. Wow. So at what point did you decide? Do you remember if there was a clicking moment as you were finishing high school where you, were, you thought, OK, music's going to be my career path? So I think it was in early high school that I decided I wanted to go into music, either music ed teaching or performing or both, um, because I also had an incredibly inspirational music director at my high school. Uh -huh. And so he was a piece of the other part of my life where he just kept saying, you can't do anything other than music. Now, I don't know if today, People are allowed to say that kind of thing to kids, you know, <laughs> right. put them in to, to pigeonhole them. Um, but he was so positive and he, he sent me down to the middle schools and the elementary schools, took me out of classes so I could accompany the choruses. I mean, he just did everything in his power to encourage me and give me a sp special place. And so I think he was um, definitely um, an inspiration to going into music ed as opposed to like a perform. I wasn't that into performing, even though the conservatory really hit on performance a lot. Sure. I just, I, I didn't think it was my natural personality type. Sticking in a room, you know, being in a room for eight hours with the door closed and then going out and being, you know, like wanting to, I don't know, spill your guts out like in front of all these people. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like when we see a lot of the star performers, that's an aspect of that we don't see is the sort of personal sacrifice and all of those hours just being alone in a room with the instrument, which on one hand, I think we kind of romanticize that and make movies right. about it and stuff like that. But in reality, it is it, it can be a very lonely existence. So I. I yeah. totally relate to that and having that opportunity to connect through educating where you can still play, of course, whenever you want, but actually be able to impact lives, I think, in a more intimate way mm -hmm. or a more direct way uh, has always resonated with me as well. So that's so cool. So you, so do, so you first started a, as a music education major. Is that right? Correct. My undergraduate is in music ed and I kept my options open. They allowed me to go sort of doubly major with a choral concentration and a band concentration, because I also play the flute and always studied flute right along and studied it all the way through college. And so that stood me in good stead when I went out to look for jobs, because as a pianist, you usually go one way or another. Right. But I was able to go both. And I taught in public schools in Maine. My undergraduate was from University of Maine at Orono. He had a fabulous piano teacher there and fabulous teachers in general there. Um, and I went out and I did three years of public school teaching and I ran back to the piano. <laughs> it just wasn't it, as much joy as it gave having 750 kids a week. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just so, so arduous and it just wasn't, where my heart was and my soul. So that's when I went and decided to go to graduate school in performance because I figured if I went 
in performance, I would have a really good foundation between the music ed and the piano performance. So I went to Boston University. Um, I spent a year getting ready for the audition because I felt not well prepared, not having had a really strong performance background in college. I see. So, That's so I can relate to so much of that because really? it's it's <clears throat> it's a very similar story to mine. So I did I did a double in music ed and performance. And I often wish that they made you take the student teaching semester earlier so that you could sort of see what that what the schedule is like. <clears throat> As I agree with you that it's a it's a grueling schedule, which I, I have so much respect for really good music teachers, but it really is sort of a 60 or 70 hour a week job when it comes down to it between the hours at school, staying after school to help kids, especially the music teacher is always the one expected right. to stay after school to help kids and stuff like that. And then you get home and you get to grade, maybe get dinner and then go to sleep early so you can get up at 5 a.m. Well, <laughs> yeah. And also what I agree that that schedule and also for me, I mean, I'm truly I'm in I'm I put the eye in independent. I every institution I have tried to be a part of basically has not wanted me in the end because I just don't. Again, it's that nonconformist element. I just don't yeah. like the rules and regs of and now I think it's really hard for the, the teachers. I mean, what they have to do that's not even related to music. Right. Um, you know, all the things that they have to fulfill and all the paperwork. And I mean, I understand it's a tough system. And there are many kids with many kinds of needs. But for me, it's just not for me. I always treasure my ability to call my own shots and make my own way. And as you know, as you would probably well, well know, what you give up is you give up some things like security and kind of having to create your own infrastructure all the time. And that's what I've worked my life to, um, to kind of build for myself. Um, I love how you said putting the I in independent. That should totally be on your website if it's not already. <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> it's, in your, it's in your personality as well. So it's like the Allison Barr theme, putting the I in independent. So after, so after you were done with, with um, college, you, know, you taught some other places. You, know, you taught, um, so, so you taught at some community music schools, stuff like that, decided yeah. that this isn't jiving. And then you just decided to open up shop. And it's been how, how long now since the independent Allison Barr piano so, studio opened? I always had a private studio on the side, no matter what. But what full time I have been doing this since full time since 1983. Um, I think that's the right year. So we'll be celebrating 30, 30 years in a couple years, right? right. Okay, we'll have to have a special podcast episode just for that. <laughs> well, I mean, the you know, it's funny because I always measure my years of private, of independent teaching from when I got out of college because I always had a studio on the side, even if I had a public school job um, or was at a community music school, I would live somewhere else and have a studio. Um, but, but yes, full time, 100% independent. Absolutely. And yeah. then how did you first get involved? You've been a huge influence with MTNA 
on the national and local levels. How did you discover MTNA and get, uh, get hooked up with them? So um, uh, when I was at college, so I graduated in 1976. Uh, my piano teacher there, Catherine Ann Foley, she's retired, but still alive and kicking. She started, she founded the main state chapter of um, MTNA, main music teachers. And she didn't like to do correspondence. So I was her, you know, kind of her um, assistant, I, I would say assistant. Yeah correspondent and letter opener. And she basically, I was there at the founding of the chapter and I was a charter member. And from wow. that point on, I, that was, that was it. I was hooked on the idea of maybe because I am independent, but yet that's an institution, but it's not an institution that you have to buy into everything for. You have right. to, you know, conform to everything and it's an institution that i think i needed very badly because i was going to be so independent um, yeah absolutely no it's definitely uh such a wonderful organization for all of us independent teachers right. out there to be able to feel like we're still part of a community so we haven't given up that aspect just because right. we decided to be exactly. independent teachers or start our own schools or whatever so um i love that you hit on that now let's talk about the teaching so this podcast is all about how, uh, you know, you love teaching every single hour of every day and <laughs> yes, uh, mo mostly every and the wonderland that that is. Yes. Um, so, um, you know, we have such an impact on lives and music changes us just as much as it changes our students. I, I always feel what, what are some of the favorite parts or what have been some of the favorite parts of what you do since, uh, since you started your, your independent studio, especially. What I love about teaching piano is I can always be with the instrument, no matter what. I, I know that sounds very broad and general and vague, but I can always hear the sound of the instrument. So I feel like that's at the core of what I felt when I was five years old was this instrument sounds so beautiful. Now, during the pandemic, of course, when we all went remote, a lot of the teachers were like, oh, the sound, the sound, it's so terrible, it's so terrible. Of course, we were affected by that. We wanted to try to get the best sound we could get. And I just kept working towards that and saying, you know, I'm gonna do the best I can at that. But it's always being with the piano, helping the student find the joy that I, that I have for it, I think is probably what keeps me going through thick and thin is I know that at some point, if they stick with it, the piano is going to take over for them because it's that powerful and it's that amazing of an instrument. So I just feel like I'm the facilitator more than anything. Yes. I remember when I was in graduate school, my teacher, amazing um, Anthony de Bonaventura, he's now, um, not with us any longer, but he said, you know, dear, the piano, he would always say, you know, dear, and he had these beautiful long fingers and he was just such a genius teacher and pianist. And he would say, you know, we don't choose the piano. The piano chooses us. And I'm like, oh, well, I couldn't run away. I couldn't run fast enough. It got me. But I, I do think that 
if you can find the way for each individual student, child, adult, beginner, advanced, to keep connecting with the instrument and what it does and how versatile it is, how beautiful it can sound, how amazing it can be, then I think there's the joy in it right there. Yeah. Wow. I need to go back and listen to this and write some of these things down. They're very sort of Yoda-esque wow. <laughs> sayings there. I've been at it a long, long time. I've had a lot, of, a lot of time to think about it, Jonathan. Yes. I need to start thinking about these things more. Very cool. And then I, I love what you said about, you know, sort of finding that spark for each student because you never know what the, I, I sometimes refer to it as the way in for students or for families to figure out what, what's going to be that sort of switch that gets them you know, excited and, and hooked on this music and this piano thing long term. Now, you've had hundreds of students over the years. I maybe should have asked you this before the podcast so you could think about it. But I'm curious if there is one story that maybe stands out about a student that uh, you feel that you really sort of made music a permanent part of their life or that had a major turnaround with you. I had a student a while back. I don't think he, piano necessarily turned him around per se. I'm going to change the question. A yeah, little. yeah, um, independent, independent. Yeah, I mean, exactly. <laughs> of course, I can't answer a straight question. And um, his first name is Ryan, and he's now um, a, in re a residency, of an MD program to be an ER doctor. Wow. And when he came to me. He was in probably fourth or fifth grade. So he wasn't beginning from scratch. He had already been to a teacher. Um, and his story resonates with me because he will have a stressful life probably in a lot of ways. Being an ER doctor, even though that's his choice and he's very passionate about it. And during the pandemic, I gave my my um anybody who was an alum of my studio uh tuition free lessons on zoom if i if they wow. found out about it i tried to contact people and not a lot took me up to be perfectly honest but he took me up on it because he was home waiting for his match to get matched with his residency program oh okay and he took several lessons and i was thinking about the fact that ryan no matter where he goes in life, will always be connected with music. And it will be a lifeline for him, and it will be maybe a personal savior for him at some points in his life. Um, and I think he's a standout. Not that I think I saved him particularly in any way. I mean, there are students that I think you can be a lifesaver for, and I probably had those. Um, throughout, um, if I were to think about it, but I think for somebody like that, who's going to give so much back to the world, right? To know that in his quietest moments, he can go to his piano, and maybe his darkest moments, he can go to his piano. That means a lot. Yeah, definitely. Music is always our our friend and companion that never goes away in good times and bad something we can all all remember even us especially as piano teachers i think when things are hard for us right right that's when we really need to remember it oh yeah i played the piano remember it's good it's a good <laughs> like thing. yes we can play too yeah. <laughs> 
right. Absolutely. You hit on this a little bit, but I'd love to dig a little deeper. So hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on wood, we're in the light at the end of the tunnel phase of this pandemic business. But what what has that process been like for, for you and your students? I think for a lot of us, yeah, it was, it was tough in the beginning, but I think it's been a really amazing example of sort of resilience of people and uh, how music really does mean enough to a lot of people to deal with the virtual stuff uh, and even to sort of explore the the pros because there are some things that actually I think work almost a little better online than face to face. Um, but how, how has that experience been for you and your students? So I would say that experience has been transformative for me. I never thought at 65 or six years old, I would have to recreate or choose to recreate. I guess I didn't necessarily have to but choose to recreate pretty much the way I deliver my teaching, um, the psychology and philosophy somewhat behind my teaching, even though I tried to maintain my core values as best I, as I could, right. um, uh, to learn a whole new, the whole new field, which I had never done a remote lesson ever before or thought I thought I ever would. And to embrace something with, I would say beyond resilience with um, an eager kind of curiosity to reinvent. I mean, when you get to be at my point, you're just usually so many are, of us are just like, oh, we're we're happy to just wake up and coast along, you know, rest on our laurels, so to speak. I will never rest on my laurels ever again because now I'm going to co-share students with my colleague in Texas. Um, I have, you know, all kinds of international stuff going on with students that I will keep. Um, it was a challenge in many, many ways, definitely. But to see the dedication, as you said, so beautifully of families just wanting to make it work. Yeah. Um, and coming out the other end, so appreciative. It's, it's meant the world. It's just been an, an, a, just a recreation of who I am as a teacher, I would say. Yeah, I love how you put that. I think in some ways it's been almost like a rebirth sort of thing for all of us. And as you said so well, it's, it's brought the world closer for, sh for sure. And I think because we all had to do it, I think for a long time there was this sort of misconception that online lessons are sort of by default inferior. But by just having to do it, we've all figured out our groove. To, to make it work just as well, if not better, uh, than, than face to face. So uh, very exciting possibilities ahead, I think. Extremely exciting. And in fact, um, when I think of all the collaborative possibilities, that makes me very excited because, you know, what they were probably there before. Right. But I would, I personally would have never probably, I mean, it would have taken me a long time to even and to do little bits at a time. Right. And I would have kind of had to be dragged, maybe kicking and screaming. Thinking mm -hmm. as, you, as you just said, that being one of those people that thought it was just, you know, I would never do that. And now I, I mean, I'm totally, I'm totally um, passionate about the opportunities it gives. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Allison, 
as expected, I would expect no less, this has been such inspiring conversation. I, not only for independent, but for inspiring. The one and only Allison Barr. Um, really amazing stuff. I really look forward to your continued adventures and our continued adventures here in the uh, South Shore community. But thank you so much again for taking the time to be on our podcast today. Thank you for having me. It was a joy and a pleasure. Thank you so much to all of our listeners. Again, this is South Shore Piano, the official podcast of the South Shore Piano School. I'm your host, Jonathan Roberts, and on this podcast, we talk with students, parents, teachers, and other leaders to find out exactly how music education and the arts are changing lives every day. If you enjoyed this episode, do hit the subscribe button on the podcasting app of your choice, or if you're checking out the YouTube version, hit the subscribe button and the notification bell so that you're among the first to find out about new episodes as they're released. We release new episodes every Monday and Friday. Thank you so much, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time.